0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Now, listen, you might notice, but subtly my shirt is a little bit garnet. It's an exciting night. Last night, who stayed up for it? Anybody? Clemson, you did good, too. So, um, listen, I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. It's been a couple weeks since I've gotten to play in this room, but I'm excited to be able to spend some time with you all this morning. We're starting a brand new series called Flip the Lens. And as Nick said earlier, I really believe in what he said. This This series has the opportunity, the ability to... Transform the way that we see the world altogether, and as a congregation, transform the way that we encounter the world altogether. So for that, I'm very, very excited. Um, before we dive into it, would you bow with me? Let's pray together and invite God into this space with us. Lord God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. God, we thank you for your love. And God, too often as we look at the world and the circumstances around us and the things that we go through, God, we um, we don't see it with a grateful heart. And I pray that today, God, you'd help us to be able to see things in terms of your grace and your mercy towards us. I pray that you'd transform the way that we interact with people and circumstances and things um, in this world around us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So about a month ago, uh, my wife and I took both of our boys to the museum in downtown Columbia, the state museum, uh, as Eli likes to call it, Down City Columbia. And so we, we traveled down city Columbia to go to the museum. And this is like Eli's favorite place from, from when he was very, very young. My, my son is a bit of a nerd. So the fun thing for him to do is be go to the museum for a couple hours. We loved it too, because there's like four levels. So a lot of energy gets exerted within an hour or two that you're there at the museum. Hopefully you get a nap on the way home. You know what I'm talking about, parents do you feel me? So. We also took our son Owen with us, too, this last time we went, and um, we had a great time at the museum. It's a really, really fun place. It's actually a really great museum and a cool place to go, and we went this last time because they have a, which I didn't realize this until pretty recently, they have a 4D theater there. You know, a 4D, it's better than a 3D theater. If you go to a 3D theater, you you watch the screen and you experience it like you're there. You could reach out and touch the actors and the actresses and stuff. In a 4D theater, however, you don't, just, you don't just visually see it like that. You actually experience it in the room with you. So we went to see The Wizard of Oz. Is anybody gone by any chance to, to this thing at the museum? Thank you. So um, you should go. It really is a cool thing. And The Wizard of Oz is one of my son's favorite stories. So we went, we went to this. Uh, we got tickets and went to the 4D theater to go see The Wizard of Oz. Now, this is a spoiler alert. If you're not seeing Wizard of Oz, you should have by now. But The Wizard of Oz, when, it, when uh, the tornado comes at the very beginning, your seats like shake. And when the Good Witch comes, there's like bubbles that come down from the ceiling into the room with you. And when the Wicked Witch of the West gets um, melted at the very end with the water bucket, uh, the water sprays in your face. It was just a cool experience. You get to experience the whole thing right there. So we, we go in. We get our tickets. We go into the theater. We sit down. And um, the previews are finally done. And the Wizard of Oz comes on. And it's so cool. I mean, you're seeing all this stuff. You're experiencing all this stuff. And I look over. My wife, Jenna, and my son, Eli, the older son, both got their glasses on, and they're looking, not only these glasses let you see cool things, but you look attractive too. So they were watching it with the glasses on, experiencing everything that there was to experience, and me too, I had my glasses on, it was really cool. But then I look over at Owen, my younger son, and he doesn't have his glasses on. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to help him. So as a good father, I tried to slide glasses on his face. And of course, he says, no, I don't want them." So he pulls them back off. So I try to put them on gently again, and he pulls them off again. So I decided to take my glasses off to see what he's seeing. So I took my glasses off. And if you've ever been to a 3D theater and taken your glasses off, it's like instant nausea. Everything is blurry. Everything looks terrible. And, and I'm thinking in my head, oh, and you're missing out. On the full experience, I mean, sure, you're getting water in your face, you're seeing bubbles, but you're not seeing what you could be seeing. You're not seeing the beauty of what this possibly is. And everybody else is. you got to put your glasses on. You know, flip the lens a little bit. See what this is right here. And sure enough, you would not put the glasses on. I think for a lot of us in our life, in my experience, in my life, we, we really tend to live our lives in a similar kind of manner. And for a lot of us, and me personally, when I look at my circumstances or my family, my job, my kids, my friendships, my finances, even my God, I look at these, these things through a lens that is not helpful at all, and it keeps me from experiencing life and life to the full. It keeps me from really experiencing all that there is to experience. Our tendency and my tendency is to put on a lens of entitlement and just focus on things as they should be and not actually how they are. Or the lens of disappointment and be frustrated that things didn't turn out differently. Or a lens of apathy and I have to struggle to like manufacture energy for the life around me. And what's interesting to me is there are people that I know who have gone through very similar circumstances. Difficult circumstances or whatever and they're they're different people but it's the same circumstance. And these different people can experience it in a totally different kind of way. And so whether you are someone who's just had a child, or you've lost a job, or you've lost a loved one, or you're getting a promotion, or you're getting a diagnosis of some kind, or you have to relocate, or there's good news, or there's bad news, depending on who you are, you might experience these, different, these same circumstances in a totally different kind of way. And I think the reason this is true is because the way we experience circumstances in our life have a lot to do with the lens that we're looking through. The lens that you look through makes all of the difference. And poor Owen it didn't experience this whole movie the way it's supposed to be experienced, and a lot of us, I believe, are not experiencing life in the way that it's meant to be experienced because of the lens that we're looking through. This water bottle is um, got some water in it, and every person in this room, when you look at this, you will probably see it in one way or the other. Some of you will see this as the glass being half. <laughs> Thank you. Full. Full. Empty. Empty. That's my point. Everyone sees this in a different kind of manner. It's the same water, same water bottle, but you're looking at it from a different kind of lens. Now, some of you pessimists in the room, you're like trying really hard to be optimistic about it, but you just can't. I mean, either you see this as half full or half empty. And when we look at life, it's really the same kind of thing. It could be the same experience, but we experience it in different ways because of the lens that we look through. You know, researchers tell us that the external world around us predicts only 10% of our long-term happiness or what some people might call joy. But the internal world dictates 90% of our long-term happiness or our joy. So in this life, it's not just about what happens to us, it's about how we see what's happening to us. You know, we don't just see things as they are, we see things as we are. So as we experience life all around us, the lens that we look through is incredibly important. Incredibly important. I mean, do you realize that in America today we are more prosperous than ever, but we're more depressed than ever? I mean, as a whole, as a society, some of us are wealthier than ever, but we're more unhappy than ever. We have faster access to the world around us, but we're we're faster to get frustrated. And in many countries around the world, the suicide rate is outpacing the homicide rate. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. I think for a lot of us, we have this expectation of the way that life should be, but the reality never measures up to the expectation. So we have this expectation gap. And when this thing takes place, guess what gets robbed first? Our joy. Our joy in living life to the fullest. When we have these expectations, and then reality kind of kicks in. You know, the expectations from the very beginning, they're not going to be met. That's what reality does. And parents, if you're a parent, you know this. Is this true? I mean, there are parents in the room, there are moms in the room who have been Pinteresting and getting ready for Halloween for a long, long time. And you got friends on Facebook and social media who are showing their kids' costumes prematurely, actually, and you're looking at them and you're like, oh my gosh, this costume is so cool, and my kid has like the hand-me-down flannel pizza. You know what I mean? I'm just talking from experience. Or, or me, this past week, I, I was going to have a Daddy Sunday and take them to CeCe's to enjoy CC's. Anybody? All right. I see you. So I took my boys to CC's, and, I, and I, in my head I'm like, "This is going to be great. We're going to go, mom's away. We're going to we're going to enjoy ourselves, eat as much pizza as, as we want to. The kids are both going to get Coke. It's going to be awesome." And so we go to CC's, and we get inside, we get our food, everything's going fine. We sit down, we start eating. Of course, someone has to go to the bathroom. Well, I can't leave one out there because they're young, so I got to take all two of them to the bathroom. So we all go to the bathroom. When we come back out. Someone has taken away our food, and they just thrown it all away. Think we were done. I'm like, "It's cool. It's fine. We'll start over." So we go back through the line again, which is a total process. We sit back down. Of course, they don't have the pizza Eli wants, so we got to get that order. I mean, just like this thing. And then Owen crawls underneath the table and gets back out, so I pick him up, and I'm bringing him back over me, and he kicks Sprite right into my lap, and people are looking around like, this poor guy. And in my head, I'm like, this was going to be so different. Like, my expectation for this, it was so different, and the reality just isn't lining up. And truth be told, if we're not careful, this is the kind of thing that just becomes disaster when it comes to the way we experience life. Something is wrong when our expectations don't get met, and the circumstances in the reality, there's this expectation gap. And something is wrong when that robs us of our joy and gives us disappointment. You know, it's not our circumstances that will ever truly make us joyful. Your circumstances will never truly give you joy. There's no amount of money, there's no spouse, no success, no popularity, no material thing, no presidential candidate, none of this will ever truly bring you joy. So how do we flip the lens on our life? How do we flip the lens and begin to experience joy right now, right here, in the middle of whatever we're going through, in the middle of the circumstances that we find ourselves in? I believe that we are offered a glimpse into the secret of life, like really living life to the full by the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says this. Here's what Paul says Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. What? Rejoice. Rejoice. To which some of us in the room will say, Not so fast, Paul. You don't live my life, you don't know my job. You don't know my spouse. You don't know my kids. You don't know what I'm going through. You're not experiencing this diagnosis, Paul. How could you say rejoice in the Lord always? Again, I say it rejoice. How do you know, Paul? You don't live my life. But if we're honest, if we look into the book of Philippians, we consider Paul's circumstances when he pens this book. Paul himself, when he writes this letter, he's actually in chains. He's been arrested. More than likely, he's chained to a Roman guard at this point in time. Not only that, but he goes on later in other books to explain how he's been beaten within an inch of his life. He's been shipwrecked. He's been arrested multiple times. He's been hungry. He's been thirsty. But then he says what? But rejoice. Rejoice. So whatever we're going through here today, I think Paul is someone that can speak to this. I think he does have the right to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice This word that Paul uses over and over through this book, this word rejoice, is actually the word "cairo." It means to be aware of God's grace. It means to recognize the gift, to delight in God's favor. Paul's saying don't miss God's grace at work in your life. Don't miss the delight of God's favor on your life. Rejoice in the Lord. Later in chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul says this, I have learned to be content no matter what happens to me. I know what it's like to have, to have what I need. I also know what it's like to not have what I need. I've learned the secret of being content no matter what happens. I'm content whether I'm fed or hungry. I'm content whether I have more than enough or not enough. I believe what Paul's experiencing here is the the key to contentment, the key to joy. It's being fully aware of the incredible favor of God and God's grace in your life. You know what this key is and Paul highlights it for us? It's a simple word but it's difficult to do. It's gratitude. It's being grateful. I believe that gratitude is the lens through which we experience joy within our life. Gratitude. Gratitude. Now, Paul is sitting, writing in chains. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he wants to make sure he punctuates his point by saying, again, I say it, rejoice. Because he sees and he recognizes life as a gift. You see, many of us in this room, including myself, we have a hard time with this. Because most of us, we'd rather see the world through a different kind of lens. Through a lens of self-pity or a lens of anger or hurt or disappointment or despair or anxiety Or selfishness. And the truth is, it's an easier lens to look through. It's more natural for us, living in a world that is unfair and a world that is broken, to put on a lens of despair or a lens of frustration as we look at the world around us. It's more natural for us to see this bottle as half empty rather than half full. You know, being back in student ministry now and doing student ministry for many, many years, one of the things that has always blown my mind is how students lack gratitude. Amen? And before you say amen, you got to realize you've done the same thing. When I was a kid, I was so ungrateful for what God had been doing in my life. I can remember as an eighth grade kid, nightly, I remember making my parents cry because I told them I was going to run away back to Indiana if we didn't leave Texas. And my dad would be like, what is your problem? I just wasn't grateful for Anything. Didn't have a, a grateful bone on my body. So students hear me. Man, your parents are a gift. Education is a gift. All of this life is a gift. Some of my friends, some of my best friends in my life, they look at the world through a cynical lens. With such cynicism that, that it really keeps them from really enjoying anything about life because they're so cynical about all that's going on around them. About the church, about God himself, about presidential candidates. You name it. Cynicism. And it robs their joy. But gratitude is an attitude. Gratitude is a choice that we make in the face of brokenness, in the face of what's going on within our life. Henry Nouwen says it like this. The discipline of gratitude is the explicit effort to acknowledge that all that I am and all that I have has been given to me as a gift of love, a gift to be celebrated and embraced. Well, if that's not convicting, everything that I am, everything that I have, the good, the bad, the ugly, is a gift of love and a gift to be celebrated and embraced. You know, the truth is, I I am the king of the pity party. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. Because I wouldn't admit this at home, but I'm on stage, so i got to be honest about this. I struggle with this. Like, I have a tendency to get moody. Anyone else in the room? Yesterday, I, I was a bit stressed. I was moody Yesterday. And until last night. But anyway, I, I struggle with this. I, I'm, I'm the king of the pity party, and, I, I, and it's pathetic, to be honest with you. And what I've found in my life is there are really two things that really dictate my attitude throughout the day. Number one, it's the food that I eat. That's sad, isn't it? And number two, it's my circumstantial surroundings. What's going on around me? It actually dictates the way that I feel about life and the way that I view things around me. And too often, it robs me of my joy. You know, right now in Jen and I's life and our family, we're going through some difficult stuff right now. There's some health things that we're trying to figure out that we don't know exactly. what We don't really have answers yet, and it's frustrating. You want to feel good every day, but it's just hard in that kind of sense. And my father-in-law is going through his second bout of cancer right now, and, and treatments. And my grandfather just came to visit with my grandmother and spent time here, and we had a great time. And we went to Charlotte to fly home, and somewhere along the way, there's some kind of infection in his body, and. Until recently, he was very close to going septic and potentially we were going to lose him. I just got word before I walked on stage this morning that it's still not looking that good. And his church has been praying and I saw him thankful for that. But when you have these kinds of things happening in your life, I know this is just a drop in the bucket compared to many people in this room. It is so difficult and so hard to view the world through a lens of gratitude. But if I don't, those things and other things have the, have the very potential to rob me of all of my joy and to cause me to see the world in a really negative kind of light. But through the lens of gratitude, all that I am and all that I have being a gift from God, these circumstances don't have to dictate the way that I feel about my life. They don't have to dictate my joy. You see, joy is not circumstantial. Joy is not circumstantial. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is not circumstantial. Joy is found when we display an attitude of gratitude because we choose. We choose to be aware and conscious of the gifts that are all around us rather than focus on the disappointment that we face or the trials that we face or the difficulty that we face. And Paul addresses this in chapter 4 just a verse later in verses six through eight, he says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition and with what? Thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, I don't say that word lightly, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, Paul says. Paul says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. How much energy do we spend day in and day out worrying about things that, guess what, will never happen? What's the percentage of things that you worry about that don't actually take place? I would guess it's high because it's high in my life. And I will just work myself up about stuff that, that never actually takes place. And I give so much energy towards it. And, and I have so much joy that leaves because of it. And the truth is, they're all ghosts. They don't exist. But we treat them like they do. And yet, we let these kinds of things consume us. And Paul says, don't be anxious. Take everything to the Lord, every situation, with prayers and thanksgiving, with gratitude. A few years back when, when I quit working at Mount Horb and went to Eastlake for a couple of years and worked over in Irmo, my, my travel time went from five minutes to work to 25 minutes to work. And I discovered this evil thing called talk radio. And so when my five minute drive, I, I usually would just kind of drive and just kind of enjoy the morning and get to work. And everything's fine. Or listen to some music or something like that. But when I started driving to Eastlake, I actually began to listen to talk radio in the morning. Now this was in 2008. If you remember, it was like a terrible time to be alive. Remember this? The economy was crashing. Russia had just invaded Georgia. Everything was, was going bad. I mean, it was the end of the world. And every morning, I would drive to work, and I would listen to this every single day. I'm not lying to you. I felt a weight on my chest every day when I would go to work because of the things I just listened to and the focus that I was giving it, to the point where finally I went to my wife and I said, Jenna, I, I need help. This is not easy for me to admit, but I'm, I am so anxious right now. Like I'm, I'm eaten up by all these things that I'm worrying about, all these things that probably will never come true, but I'm, but I'm treating them as if they will. And so we were in a couple small group at the time. So we went to our couple small group and I said, listen, you all need to pray for me because I'm really struggling. Like I'm really finding it hard to find joy in life because of the things that I'm focusing on right now. And so first thing was first, I had to stop listening to talk radio. I listened to other stuff. And I began to focus on other things in my life like the good things in my life, where I would, I'd be able to come home and like, be able to enjoy my wonderful, beautiful, amazing wife instead of being worried all the time. Or come home and spend time with my son and enjoy him. Or on the weekend, be able to relax and enjoy after working hard all week long. I mean, how, how many of us, we, we don't remember what this feels like because for so long we've had this anxiety. And I love what Paul says. If we make this shift in our life, what we get in our life is the peace that passes all understanding. Maybe you know someone in your life who's going through a really difficult time, but somehow there's just so much peace within them. This diagnosis is rough, but somehow that person just continues to have joy. And that loss was devastating, but somehow that person still has joy and finds a way to smile each and every day. It's a peace that passes understanding. See, here's what I've I've found out after being a believer for a while. The world doesn't understand the peace of God it blows their minds. How in the world could you have this kind of attitude in the midst of the circumstances that you're going through? Here's how. My joy is not dictated by my circumstances. My joy is dictated by Jesus Christ. And the sacrifice and the grace and the gift that is involved in my life each and every day, if I have the wherewithal to recognize it and become aware of it. In verse 8, Paul points out the source of our joy by saying this. Listen, whatever is true in your life, whatever is noble in your life, whatever is pure in your life, whatever is lovely in your life, whatever is excellent, whatever is admirable, think about such things. I mean, how often do we find our focus and our mind going to all kinds of negative stuff? I do it all the time. My wife is so angry with me. When we go on a date, if I bring up money or finances, game over. Might as well go home because I'll just feel this like frustration in my heart come up because I I get focused on all this stupid stuff. But what if we, we changed our focus to the things that are right, that are good, that are admirable, that are lovely in our lives? What if we talked about those things? I mean, you know your friend circles and the people you spend time with. How often is our conversation to go negative all of the time? What would happen if our conversation was way more positive and we focused on the gift That is right in front of us. The gift that we have been given. This life that God has given to us by his grace and by his mercy. And Paul's not saying that if you make this switch that instantly all of your troubles and trials and difficulties will go away magically. He doesn't promise that. What he promises is that you, by flipping the lens to gratitude, will be able to find peace in the midst of what's going on. Right smack in the middle of it. You see, joy is not somewhere else. It's right in front of us. Joy is not, you're not gonna find it someplace else. Joy is right in front of us. How many of us in the room have the one day mentality? I do. And one day my paycheck's gonna be bigger and then things are gonna be different. You know, one day my kids are gonna grow up and be out of diapers and everything's gonna be fine. You know, one day I'll be able to move out of this house and get this other house or get rid of this car and get a different car. One day, this will take place, and when I get there, then things will be good. I circle it on my calendar. If I can make it to this date right here, then things will be good. But guess what? When you get to that date, there's another date to circle. Listen, our joy cannot be determined by our circumstances. Our circumstances constantly change. Our joy has to be found in Jesus Christ and when we experience this kind of joy, then when I come home from, from a tough day's work, a difficult day at work, and I see my boys playing in the front yard and the sprinklers, one of them with nothing but a diaper on, I've got to enjoy that. Take it as a gift. My wife and I recently invested in Blue Apron. Anyone in the room? Thank you. Blue Apron, we're out, we have meals that are delivered to our house on Friday because we're that lazy. And it's just fun. So we get them and we have a meal three days a week where we get to cook together in the kitchen. It's been so much fun. Like we've really enjoyed cooking together. And it's a small thing, but there's joy there. I don't want to miss that. You know, what other things are happening in your life that if you're not careful, you'll blow right by them? And going to Bilo and bacon is buy one, get one free. That is joy. <laughs> You've got to find joy in the good, not the circumstances. It's deeper than that. When I see a student within our student ministry come alive to Jesus Christ, and there's joy there. What is it in your life that you could focus on? If you don't catch these moments, they will get away, and they'll be gone. There's a community in central Mexico called Las Palmitas. In this community, it's a low-income neighborhood of 200 homes. And this community is, it was riddled by crime was riddled by violence it was a place that you did not want to go to at night does that make sense it was a very difficult community and people lived there and had lived there for a long time this community was built out of center blocks given by the government and they had painted them all white this this neighborhood but this this neighborhood was was dingy and it was a bit dark it was run down it was not a place that you actually would want to live in let alone go and visit and so the government decided they were going to try to do something about it it became kind of on their radar, and so. What they did was they they hired a crew called the German crew and their street artists to come into this community, and for 14 months and 5,000 gallons of paint, they began to change the drab, dull, dirty, depressing landscape of La Palmitos to look something completely different. I'll show you the first picture of this community, these 200 homes. This is what it looked like before. And this is a community that was, was really, really struggling through all kinds of stuff, and So 5,000 gallons of paint later, 14 months later in this crew, here's what it looks like now. Isn't that awesome? If you look at it really, really close, and from from this far away, you can tell, you know, from one building to the next building, it's one big, colorful mural. It just spills over from one building to the next building and to the next building. After 14 months, 16,000 square feet of buildings being painted by this one crew, they began to find that crime in this community began to plummet. Violence in this community began to plummet. People in this community began to take pride in their community once again. They began to look out for one another once again. Everything changed, but yet nothing changed. Here's what you need to see. This community was the exact same community it had always been. Same people, same buildings, same everything. The only thing that changed was the way they viewed the neighborhood around them. A little bit of paint began to help them see it in a completely different kind of light. They flipped the lens on their community and it changed everything. It changed everything. Nothing actually changed, but everything did. You know, We must recognize the gift that we've been given in this life. Recognize the gift. What Paul found through a connection in Jesus was a gift, a grace that transcended every single circumstance. This is how people that you might know in your life, when you've come to experience Jesus, there is a joy that is so deep because maybe nothing circumstantially changes. Eternally, everything changes. And there's joy found there. And there's peace found there. So though our circumstances may stay the same, we can find joy in Jesus Christ. Another writer in the New Testament, James, the brother of Jesus, writes about this incredible lens of gratitude. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, he says this, "...consider it pure what? Joy." It's the same word as before. Consider it pure gift, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. What's perseverance? It's finishing. It's seeing it through. Next Saturday, if you don't see me Sunday, it's because I died doing a Tough mutter in North Carolina. So I'm I'm gonna be doing a 10-mile race. My wife is very concerned for me. Me too, if I'm honest. Ten-mile race. There's obstacles, and we've got to make it all the way through. some folks here at the church that are doing it with me, so if I fall out, they can carry me across the finish line. But I'm going to finish this thing. And if it kills me, I'm going to finish this thing, and if Nate Gibson has to pull me across the finish line, I'm going to do it. That's perseverance. That's finishing the race. That's, that's making sure you see it to the end. And, Paul, and James says, if you, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your difficulties, if you can persevere, if you can make it through, By looking through the lens of gratitude, if you do this, there is an end result. And here's what he says in verse four. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. You know, there's an end outcome to us living our life and seeing the world as a gift. It's a gift because in the end, we find ourselves to become mature, complete. That word means whole. Whole. Lacking nothing. Here's what I love about our God. Our God wastes nothing. So the good and the bad and the ugly and the difficult, whatever you're going through today, God will not waste it in your life. He will use it. When we place the lens of gratitude over our eyes to see the world, maybe in a way we've never seen it before, we become complete. We become whole. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up soon, in a few weeks, and it's quickly become one of my favorite holidays. I love Thanksgiving, and not just because of the doorbuster sales, not just because of NFL football, though that's a very good thing, and not just because of food, which is also a very good thing. I mean, turkey and dressing are my love languages. I mean, Thanksgiving has been one of my favorite holidays because for a little bit of time, we sit around the living room and do nothing, and it feels so good. Because so what we do is we sit around in the living room doing nothing but enjoying each other. And we sit around for a while and we're grateful for everything that has happened to us and all that we have, all that we are, and all that we have, we recognize it as a gift from God, if only for a moment. But here's what I've found. Thanksgiving is a craft. Thanksgiving is a craft. Much like tying flies or horseback riding or knitting. You don't just get good at knitting overnight, I assume. You've got to work at it. It's a craft, it's something that you have to hone. And when it comes to being thankful, when it comes to being grateful and having a life of gratitude, this is something we have to work at because it's not natural for us. The natural response is the negative response. But what we have to do is we have to work hard to recognize thanksgiving as a craft that we can actually apply to our life, that it might change the lens in which we see the world around us and we might find joy right in the middle of what we're going through. So I want to challenge all of us this week uh, to a specific thing. Um, I want to show you a couple of pictures I put on my, my Instagram this past week to kind of set the tone for us here. And so this is our first picture. So here's my boys driving their little battery powered John Deere out at the farm. And this is a moment in time that if I miss it, I miss the gift of what it is. I miss the joy that's found here. Next picture. This is my wife and my oldest son in the kitchen. If I miss this moment, I miss the gift. I miss the joy. And the last picture, getting Tough Mudder ready. If I miss this moment, my ability to run and to do and to, to be alive, I miss the gift of today and what God has given me. So here's a challenge this week. I want to challenge every person in this room. Each day, once a day, Take a picture of something that maybe you've been missing for a while. It's been there all along, but you've not seen it as a gift. Take a picture of it. Place it to whatever social media that you're part of, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it might be, and hashtag flip the lens, hashtag recognize the gift. This is our chance as a congregation to do this and encourage one another to continue to be grateful for what God has done. You're going to see some of these pictures later on in the coming weeks during this series in different kinds of creative ways but this is our opportunity to remind ourselves if even for a moment that God has gifted us with great things. If you're not on social media, no pressure. Take a picture just for yourself so you don't miss it, so you don't miss the gift of what God has given you today. And I want to encourage us. Jesus Christ has given it all that we might have grace, that we might find mercy, we might find peace. And in the end, If we can find a way to flip the lens within our life, to see everything that we experience through the lens of gratitude, we will find joy right in the midst of what we're going through. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Father God, forgive us for the times where we're not grateful for what you've done. Forgive us for the times where we get so focused on other things. We, we, we put on lenses that are not helpful to us, God, but they're actually harmful to us. Help us to be able to constantly remind ourselves to be grateful, to be full of gratitude for your son's sacrifice and for the life that you've given us. So God, help us this week to see things we've been taking for granted for a long time. Maybe it's our children. Maybe it's our spouse, our job, our home, our cars, whatever it might be. Help us to see it as a gift this week, that we might see it, we might recognize it, and we might find joy. It's in your name we pray. Amen.